Support for Elwood City Limits is made possible by Facebook. Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits. Twitter. At ECL Podcast. Email. Elwood City Limits at gmail.com. And by subscribing on iTunes and following us on SoundCloud. Thank you. And, and my free time. Hey you, welcome to the latest episode, well, latest, uh, unless you're listening in non-chronological order, the latest episode that you're aware of, that you're listening to, Elwood City Limits, the Elwood City Limits podcast, well, it is the episodic Arthur podcast, my goodness, can you tell that I almost fell asleep half an hour ago? Uh, this is Will Young, your host, coming at you, but definitely on the other side of the scale, having just slugged back a coffee, he tells me, is my co-host, Lucas Mancini. Well, I got big news. What's up? We're expecting great content from this episode of Elwood City Limits. Okay, I didn't know what to expect from that introduction. <laughs> but you're right. I, uh, you know, taking notes in this episode, actually today, so it's, uh, it's rare that I leave, uh, leave note-taking to the day of the episode, but it's good because then it's fresh in my mind. And I gotta say, although, um, you know, a little bit inside baseball, a little bit inside podcast here... Um, normally I take around maybe two and a half to three pages of written notes, handwritten notes. Today it's only a full two, but I think that these notes are some of the densest that I've ever taken. There's a lot, there's a lot, there's a lot of information and a lot of, a lot that can be gained. So I don't want to waste any more time. Let's get into today's episode. If you're watching along with us, I'm happy to say that this episode can be found in full on YouTube. You just have to go uh, digging, and hopefully you can uh, find it well and good if you haven't purchased, I don't know, a VHS or DVD copy or seen it on pbskids.org. Today, you know what number numbered episode this is? I don't even know how far we are into season one. Well, this episode that we're recording right now would be episode 11 of our podcast. Wow, we already broke episode 10? Shows yeah. how much I've been uh, paying attention. What so so depending on how you want to count it, it's either episode 11 of Arthur or episode 21 and 22. Because you would just double 11. Okay, I see. Yeah. Uh, take a shot. Lucas had didn't know math for a second. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so today we are talking about... Well, it's a it's a tale. It's 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 a an account of two tales. It's Arthur's baby and DW's baby. So, it's all about the origin of baby Kate, and it starts at Arthur's baby because it is Kate's first birthday, and she's sitting in her high chair. She's got her party hat on. Everybody's getting ready, and she has a big piece of cake in front of her. And of course, what does she do to start it all off? She just like a baby, just smothers it into her face to the to the horror to the surprise and shock of her family but i got to say what did you what did you real what did you realistically expect a baby to do with cake the animation on this dripping cake is crazy it looks rather liquid you're yeah, right yeah i was just going to say it looks like a, like a liquidy it looks less like the consistency of cake and more like the consistency of like a really drippy lasagna <laughs> 
And it's colored red and white, too. It's almost like red velvet or something. That's a good point. I d- <laughs> didn't quite get lasagna, but the, the consistency uh, leaves me feeling suspect. So Kate I, hates Mondays. Mm, we get Arthur doing a bit of Ferris Bueller in both of these introductions. The first one is a bit more direct. <laughs> he says, uh, babies do some dopey things. But I guess we were all babies once. Yeah. Arthur's he, right. He's not wrong. Uh, <laughs> although although perhaps a little uh a little crude in the that they do some dopey things. But I guess Arthur not particularly kind to babies in that sense. We'll get back to that. So we go to Arthur uh, highlighting a few dopey baby things like with Buster as a baby was wheeled around in a grocery cart and would eat everything he get his hands on. Surprisingly, we go to a baby Mr. Ratburn and we get a confirmed well well sort of. We get a confirmed for now first name. Oh my he, goodness. That he is Emil Ratburn. Because you have his, me with intrigue. Because his mother says Emil, what are you doing? But I think this is something where this will get a retcon <laughs> later in the series. Maybe that's like either a nickname or a middle name. Another, a second middle name because we know his full name at some point in the series. I, I couldn't tell you exactly when, but I know that it will be confirmed uh, sooner rather than later. And the thing that baby Mr. Rappern is doing is he's doing math equations, but he's not doing it on a chalkboard. He's doing it on his mom's walls. Mm. So I with guess cra- with crayon. still technically dopey because it's a nuisance, but a baby doing math equations is crazy impressive, especially for me. Yeah. And finally, we see baby versions of Arthur's mom and dad, and we get Arthur's mom, which really made me laugh. She just looks at the camera and points angrily. Clean your room. Clearly just his mother's voice actor pitched up. It was really funny. And so Arthur is kind of thinking wistfully back on Kate. He says, I miss when Kate was a little baby. Well, she is. She's just turning one. That's true. I guess I, she's not. I like. I wouldn't even count that as toddler. She's just. She's still a baby. Yeah, I guess like she's never walking on her hind legs or anything like that. Not really. Like ish here and there, but she's still very much developing. Like when my niece turns one next year, she's still gonna be a baby. She'll I, be a little more upright, but she, like I, I find like toddler age is to you me gotta be like three. Right? Yeah, I was gonna say like two to three. You have to be able to toddle around. I've never heard that before. I guess that's why they call them toddlers. Indeed. DW is suspect of Arthur's wistful memories and says that she remembers when Arthur was not so keen on having Kate around, which is kind of the basis of her take on the Kate story. The episode itself, after the cold open, begins with Arthur and DW going ham on some grapes. Yeah, this is some straight-up, like, chubby bunny game. Like, they're... (laughs) putting these grapes in their mouths with a ferocity that is a little bit unsettling. Like, this screams choking hazard. And I don't know if I would just thought that because I have babies on the brain with this episode. Right. But they are shoveling these grapes into their mouth. The, like two-handed. Like literally yeah, shoveling. fistfuls of grapes and... Because it's not about the sustenance. It's about... <laughs> it's a competition. But what, what in the world is this chubby bunny game? I don't chubby, know that... chubby bunny is like... Uh, you could go down a YouTube rabbit hole if you type this into YouTube. But Got it's it. people, they put marshmallows in their mouth 
and it's like, all right, I put one marshmallow in my mouth, and then the next person puts a marshmallow in your mouth until you get to choking hazard territory where people have these mouths full of marshmallows, and you have to say chubby buddy every time. Oh. So eventually you're going, chubby buddy, because your mouth is stuffed with marshmallows. Don't do this at home, kids. It's actually quite dangerous. Yeah, that sounds like something. Whether it be a grape or a marshmallow, that stuff's getting lodged in where it's not supposed to be. That's That sounds like something that, teenagers of today with YouTube would definitely <laughs> would definitely do so I'm not and not at all surprised um, so and and so it is indeed a competition they're struggling for the last grape and then Arthur uh, it like it kind of goes airborne for a little bit and Arthur is just waiting to receive it to catch it in his hand but DW does a sick move and kind of interception s- slams his hand down and gets it right in her mouth it's uh, it's pretty impressive Mom and Dad have <laughs> surprised. Dad says, Arthur D.W., we have a surprise for you. I really wanted to come in and be like, Arthur D.W., we have a surprise for you. What What the hell happened to my grapes? <laughs> <laughs> Arthur D.W., we have a surprise. We're getting a divorce. No. Ooh, Ooh. Uh, Arthur says, you know how the world can be perfect? Remove all little sisters, which is kind of morbid. That's that's Arthur's idea of perfect. But, of course, it was said in the heat of passion. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I want to believe that he doesn't 100% mean that. He's just a little a little salty after losing that grape gambit. Their big announcement, Arthur guesses, what was it? Did you say, like a new bike? I, I, I Something like that. He's like a new bike and then... Uh, DW asks, is Arthur moving out? (laughs) (laughs) Which is a consistent theme with DW. This is like the third time she's either suggested or asked about Arthur moving out. Mm. And no, finally, their announcement is that they're going to have a baby, to which there's two kind of disparate reactions. DW is geeked about getting a new baby, which I imagine is something that little kids would definitely react to. And then Arthur... Uh, pulls this great face at the camera, just a little bit, a little bit more skeptical, a real Jim from the office kind of reaction, uh, mugging at the camera. Yeah, really. And so the baby is coming in six months, and so Arthur is kind of struggling with that idea because, of course, uh, as the episode goes along, he kind of gets it into his ear that babies aren't all they're cracked up to be. So. The first instance of that is that Arthur and Binky are doing amateur wrestling in gym. This was something that I wrote down, too, uh, and I'm a little bit jealous because I think this is more of an America thing yeah. than we have here in Canada, like collegiate wrestling, or I guess not even collegiate because it's like elementary school. Yeah. But wrestling programs where you put down the mats and you have amateur wrestling at younger ages, uh-huh. that's definitely much more common in the U.S., and I always wished – it was more common here because in junior high, I did a little bit of it, and I absolutely loved it, but there's no organized wrestling uh, in Nova Scotia. Actually, there is. Oh, well. Just not within schools. That, have, that's what I meant. Yeah, you'd yeah, have yeah. To, you'd, it would have to be extracurricular. You'd have and, to join a gym or something. Yeah, the, yeah, there's yeah, there's like a league uh, that's in kind of the same municipality that we that we lived in for a while. But, yeah, you would have to get, like, super serious about it because mm-hmm. I, I tried looking it up once because, of course, when I was – well, I'm still into wrestling, but when I was into it in the high school, I was just like, oh, all the best wrestlers started out as amateur wrestlers. So that's what, how, why I wanted to learn it. Um, Arthur takes some kind of huge off-screen bump that apparently, <laughs> that apparently like sends him flying into the air like Binky delivered a, a vertical suplex of some kind. <laughs> Binky gave him the Death Valley driver. Or something, and then and then Binky, uh, go, maybe a choke slam, because then Binky goes for that old the old pin that Kane used to do. Remember, like, remember the Undertaker would cross the hands over the chest, okay. and, but Kane would, like, stick the arms out and then pin them down. 
in kind of like the inverse of The Undertaker's <laughs> pin. So I just kind of thought that was funny. A lot of this episode is kind of based around a child, like a child's understanding of what babies are. So Binky's first uh, way of taunting Arthur is that better get some good earplugs because babies never stop crying, which leads to one of many kind of dream sequences where the prospective baby of the house is crying so hard that Arthur and his family can't hear each other at the dinner table, and even the fire, tr- the firemen in the wailing fire truck outside have to cover their ears. I and thought this was hilarious because I live right next to a fire department. Oh yeah, so I have fire trucks going on all the time, and it was so funny. These this fire truck's driving by. And this hypothetical baby Kate is wailing, and the firefighters, they just stick their fingers in their ears. And I think that's really kind of a basic thing, because I definitely would have thought that as a kid of just like, oh, babies cry all the time. And and to be fair, they do. But it's it's definitely not not like random. Of all the hype, of all the things that kind of get Arthur spooked about babies from his peers in this episode, I would say this one's the most accurate. I think it depends on the baby. But babies really do kind of cry all the time. It's true, but, like, it also – I don't think it would be a situation where they would just leave the crying baby as they are having dinner. It's just like, okay, the baby needs something, so you need to kind of attend to it Mm -hmm. sort of thing. Like, they don't just do it for no reason, which I feel like is what we kind of got there. And then he gets taunted about how Arthur's going to have to change all those stinky diapers. And so the diaper smell is another big one, which I can totally understand. As a kid, you're, like, attracted and repelled to gross things. So just this idea of a thermonuclear diaper smell permeating his house. And, of course, Buster offers to help with (laughs) a terrific image. These episodes, terrific reactions and images all the way through. And I'll, I'll mention it now. The animation in both of these episodes is really, really good and and leads to some great screen. Like I took several screen caps. Well, it's so interesting that you say that, especially at this moment, because it was at this very moment I came up with my own Arthur meme. Oh, so do you, for the for the boot in the face, the boot in the face. Okay, okay. I came up with an idea for an OG meme. It's okay, not so, that funny. Okay, but. So, so so did I. Like, so we're gonna have to. All right. Arthur meme alert this one. Okay, what what was yours? What did you think? So there's a meme going on these days. It's kind of fading out now, but there was a meme up for a while where it was New Yorkers be like, and mm. people would edit Timberlands on stuff. They would edit a fitted Nike cap and Timberlands on things, and they would put a little speech bubble saying, yo, deadass, because it was just <laughs> – apparently if you live in New York – a lot of New Yorkers wear Timberlands at all times. The it's like a big thing there, right? Stand outside the Foot Locker, wait for new Timberlands to come out. So okay. since he's got this big hiking boot strapped to his face, just a little New Yorkers be like at the bottom of the screen. Trust me, Will. It's it's kind of funny. It's uh, almost funny. Okay. Well, my idea was, of course, I got the screen cap with Ar- with Arthur having a boot taped over his face, and all I all I would do is put in the text, "It's time to stop posting." There you go. That's a good one, too. I like that. A little bit more cerebral. I, I guess. <laughs> so if we if we can, like, again, this is uh, – I'm going to have to open Photoshop at some point and try to f- fumble my way around. And, I mean, I don't know if I can do that New York one. But if – and, of course, if you'd like to make these Photoshops – Yeah, I was and, just going to say, if you're listening to this right now and you're like, ooh, I have an idea, especially make a game out of it. This specific picture, Arthur with the boot strapped to his face – I want to see those memes. Yeah, absolutely. And you can post them on our Facebook page. We'd love to see them. 
Uh, but I will try. Like I'll keep that. I'll keep that aside and see if I can. I mean, because mine just involves text. Yours is a little bit more involved and kind of. Oh, you can just ha- have the text ca- at the bottom. Kind of oh, okay. Yeah. And kind of was gonna say kind of have has has your own vision if we want to replace the boot with a Timbaland or something. <laughs> I think that boot looks enough like a Timbaland. Okay, fair that enough. it's all good. So you just need Yo Deadass. Uh, just just New Yorkers be like, yeah. or you could put Yo Deadass. <laughs> okay, I'll have to look this up later. Um. <laughs> So, of course, uh, the boot is just a funny side gag. The next thing that Buster suggests is that maybe you can use the baby for your own, like, to make you money. And to which Arthur does seriously consider for a point as they're kind of riding on their bikes, which leads to him using using this prospective baby as labor in terms of, like, putting on a carny sideshow where the baby is juggling uh, and drinking its bottle at the same time, and Arthur is reaping the monetary benefits. It's very like, hello, my baby, hello, my darling. Yeah, that's hello, sort of my ragtime very gal. Va- very vaudeville. And uh, the other one is Arthur reading a, reading a book and eating an apple during at night while his uh, baby is doing his report on Magellan, <laughs> like stacks of homework from Ratburn himself. So, uh, you know, that, that kind of stuff. Um there's another one where they're in the treehouse, and Arthur kind of says, it's like, if only life were like that, so that he could get a baby to do his work for him. That Then Francine kind of idly says, you're going to be around that baby so much, you're going to start talking like a baby. And this might be the most ridiculous suggestion of all of them. We started with a somewhat logical assumption that the baby's going to cry a lot, and now we're just at... This is crazy town. But don't forget, this is tapping into a very real fear of Arthur's. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so the so the the imagined situation is Arthur playing uh, like full tackle football in gym with Mr. Marco as the gym teacher. Yeah, CTE wasn't exactly a big <laughs> issue back in the mid nineties. Binky tackles him. Uh, Mr. Marco's like, "You okay, Reed?" And and Arthur says, "Got an ouchie boo boo." Yeah, it's really a lot like that. It's very whiny. Which I think it wasn't because Arthur was around a baby. It was because he's got first onset CTE. <laughs> oh my god! His brain's been turned to mush by repeated tackling oh and concussions, and so that's all Arthur could say. Ooh. They were oh. focusing on the wrong issue here. Oh man, Arthur again. Has predicted our future. Oh man, that, that's that's that is dark. <laughs> Francine in the, in the dream says Arthur talks like a baby, and to add in, insult to injury, Vinky as Arthur gets up says, and he smells like diapers too. <laughs> gets a gets a real like little boy pop out of it, like a real like hearty laugh from the from the boys on that one. So just like man. Arthur's getting getting ribbed hardcore. Yet another Arthur fantasy about being humiliated because he's perceived as a baby. Mm-hmm. It's, it's Re- I mean, it makes thematic sense. It's very consistent in this show. I And I never realized that as a kid. As a kid, I always thought, like, Arthur pretty much had a different problem every episode. Mm-hmm. But I would say it's the majority of Arthur-focused episodes so far have been him being anxious about being perceived as immature or a baby. It's really it's it's his Marty McFly being called a chicken. Yeah, totally. It's it's, it's the absolute like button you press to uh, to kind of get Arthur going. And then one more cutaway because they kind of see a stroller of like triplets going past, and Buster says, "What if your mom is more than one?" And I realized I forgot to actually count because in the oh I did oh good good uh, b- because in the in the cutaway Arthur 
is slowly being surrounded by more and more babies around the family couch, and then they all start crying, and then Arthur starts screaming in, in terror. Yeah, another example of Arthur predicting the future, the Octomom, uh, except it's more than eight babies, it's ten babies. So those are more of a Decamom. Yeah, Decamom. All right, so ten babies, yeah. <laughs> I, I also want to give props. I mean, I already said about the animation, I think it's really great in both these episodes. Very fluid, very expressive. Um, a lot of different baby designs for the, like, different babies. It's not just, like... Like, I remember in the first kind of fantasy, it kind of looks like Kate is a baby. But then they move on, and there are different looks for babies. Like, the one that's doing Arthur's homework kind of looks like a smaller version of Arthur because it has glasses. The ten babies there, they all look different. And, uh, and, and I mean, they're all the same animal. They're all aardvarks, but they managed to all kind of be distinct. And I imagine that, like, they could have easily just made them all look the same. But I appreciated the... Uh, commitment to detail in that regard. There's also, it's just some great visual gags, right? It's Mm -hmm. one thing to write something funny, and it's an entirely another thing to draw something funny. So we talked about this earlier with the boot on the face. That's just inherently funny out of context. Sure, absolutely. Uh, But there's also a really great moment of pacing here where when the babies are showing up, he, they could have just drew 10 babies, but they sort of pop in one after another, and it makes this great noise where it's like... Yeah, like popcorn. And and uh, it's just a funny visual gag. We kind of get a long jag of a lot of different fantasies. And so we kind of end those off for now. So Arthur comes home, immediately like takes off his jacket, drops it on the ground. So did you notice this, though? So this is something that I really appreciated from this episode, this attention to detail. When Arthur comes home, you see that time has passed. Because earlier in the episode, when they're kind of discussing the things that are going to happen to Arthur because of this baby, they're swimming. They're doing stuff that I would uh, usually associate with warmer months. But when Arthur comes home, you can see the fall leaves in the background. He's wearing his fall jacket. We can see that this is many months later. They show the passage of time with the background settings. And it's, it's a really small detail, but it's totally something you would notice if, you're like what well, you or I were, were paying very close attention well, to these so, other episodes. Well, so small that I didn't even notice it, but that totally makes sense. That's you know, at some point I was going to mention the fact that uh, kind of Kate's birth announcement is mid-year when we're in the summer months. So Kate is presumably a November, December, maybe even Jan, like uh, late fall, winter baby. And so that makes sense with this because when Arthur puts his jacket on the ground, his mom is very noticeably pregnant. Yeah. As opposed to when they first announced it, she said she was uh, about like three weeks pregnant or something. So. Well, she said when they told when they told Arthur and DW, they said that they were going to have a baby in six months. So oh, sorry. She was, so three months. So she was past I, yeah. the first trimester at this point. And weirdly not showing, but whatever. But yeah, no, that's a that's a great observation. I couldn't. Stop observing the fact that Arthur left his friggin' coat in the middle of the, in the middle of the hallway, and that that would have gotten me a, a talking to from my parents. <laughs> Don't just leave your junk on the floor. So at this point, Arthur is very uh, nervous about the prospect of a baby. D.W. is dressed up in doctor outfit, which kind of comes into play more in her episode. But at this point, she is kind of all she's amped up for the baby and is ready to like care for it in whatever way way possible putting diapers and everything including arthur's bionic bunny action figure and so 
Arthur's mom calls them over to show them what they were like when they were a baby. Because, of course, we all that's where we all kind of come from. Yeah, Arthur's not happy about the diaper on his action figure either. He actually throws a tiny little tantrum. Like, well, like, get that diaper off. He doesn't He doesn't want any kind of association with being a baby. especially Especially with the things he loves. Bionic Bunny's not a baby. He's a man. Man. Or a bunny. The more we watch this, like, Arthur's going to need some therapy later in life, I it's think. Gonna be a real, this baby thing's unhealthy. It's going to be a real problem. I mean, it kind of already is. So there's, you know, some home videos of Arthur when he was little, you know, taking his first steps. And then we go to DW. <laughs> Funny enough, DW, who is this intelligent, well-spoken four-year-old, was a nightmare baby. And was just completely, like, screaming all the time, like, that kind of that kind of kid. Like, nothing could calm her down. There's one that they cut to where... Her bowl of baby food is on her head, and she's just screaming and pounding her high chair. And yet, DW, kind of in love with her, with herself, says, "Don't I look adorable?" Yeah, there's kind of a beat there because you're you're wondering if DW is going to be disappointed mm. at this footage, and she goes, "Don't I look adorable?" Um, this was great because it reminded me of when uh, I looked at our old baby footage or tales from my parents of when me and my sister were babies. And okay. my sister was very similar to Arthur, where she was very calm, cool, and collected, a very quiet, well-behaved baby. And I was more like DW where I was colicky and I would scream and be a nightmare all night long. I I think I was the opposite. I think my older sister was a bit more uh, cranky and uh, I was I was the calm baby. So – I don't know what that's like. The next thing is that uh, Arthur's mom is preparing her suitcase because, of course, she's going to blow at any second, and she's got to be ready to go. And so DW gives her something to take along with her, and it's a <laughs> it, it's 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 a framed glamour shot of DW, like like either a school, like a Jostens or Walmart picture of just gives it to her to her mother and says to help you make another perfect kid. Yeah, DW channeling her inner Johnny Cage. <laughs> Giving, to my number one fan. Yeah, here's an eight by ten. Like, <laughs> I just love that she had that on standby because, <laughs> because, of course, they would have taken those. So the, they cut to an a morning at some point, like not the next morning, obviously, but some other morning where DW and Arthur are butt racing down the stairs. Yeah, stair kinda... race. Do you remember stair racing? You know what I actually do now that you mention it. I remember. I think I actually saw it here, and then I was like, I want to try that. And of course, my stairs had carpet on them, so they were kind of easy to butt bounce down it's i always thought this was like i always thought stair racing to me was something that i had come up with or like my circle of friends had come up with so it's so strange to look back and see no this was like a thing in popular culture kids just butt bounce down the stairs (laughs) which is actually pretty dangerous you could get oh sure carpet burn mess up your spine yeah your tailbone sure but uh hey hey it's uh it's uh, not bothering them too much. So they get into the, the kitchen, and Grandma Thora is there. They're surprised. You know, they say, Grandma Thora, you're in the wrong house. Yeah, that's DW's yeah. line. She's making blueberry pancakes, though. So. It's true. So apparently sometime in the night, like when DW and Arthur were asleep, because they are none the wiser. They don't know anything about this. So, like, Arthur's mom and dad made the cleanest getaway possible to the hospital and then went into this lightning quick labor because as soon as Arthur and DW are dressed and ready to go, Grandma Thora tells them that they have a new baby sister. I mean, it de- how old? Arthur's eight, right? Yeah. And DW is four. four? I could see them being in bed by like eight o'clock. Let's say they have to go to the hospital around 10 or, or 1030. You can 
have an all-night labor and the baby be ready by the next morning? I mean, I'm sure it's not outside of the realm of possibility. It's just like all of the birth stories that I've been privy to, it's just like not that quick. Or And it's not even that like it's weird that they didn't tell them. It's weird because, you know, you would think like what if they wake up in the middle of the night and then their parents aren't there? Well, I would think that Grandma Thora stayed the night like, but they after would, they were but, asleep. But they would still be like, where's mom and dad? Why is Grandma Thora here? Which which they actually are in this. No, episode. but like during the night, if that had oh. happened, like you gotta you gotta kind of prepare for that. And of course, if they found out, if it's like Grandma Thor is here, uh, which means mom and dad went to the hospital, and so then they would be super excited about the baby. They wouldn't. You wouldn't be able to get them back to sleep. I, I know. I think back to when my little sister was born. Now, keep in mind, I was six years old, so my memory is not the clearest. But I think I kind of felt like. I had not a great grasp of what was going on. Like, I was kind of following people places, and I spent the majority of the time with my grandma and, like, hung out across the street from the hospital or whatever. whatever. But I was kind of just going with the flow. Uh, and I was a little bit younger than Arthur was back then, but I just – I guess I didn't put that much thought into the whole process. Well, and see, the way that my sister is told kind of like, you know, I've had the story of my birth kind of told to me a few times – and the way my sister was is that, you know, she was staying over – well, like, first of all, my mother took her to a friend's house so that they so that her, my mom's friend could watch her while they went to the hospital. And so she knew. It's like, oh, baby's coming. And so, of course, she was too jazzed to, like, sleep, and they kept getting updates by phone. And, you know, I, I don't believe my sister got a whole lot of sleep. Uh, so, you know, it's it's a cartoon. So, of course, they, <laughs> they can do whatever they want. It's just I just wanted to note that – like, my God, lightning fast labor going on here. So whether or not that's possible, whatever. Hey, maybe she had a cesarean section. Who mm, knows? Well, then I feel like that would take even longer. Like, right. again, not a baby expert. I guess, yeah, not I guess, a baby expert. I guess me and you aren't really well equipped on but, birthing theory. But, yeah, C-section I don't think is something that is makes it quicker necessarily. And, of course, we have no idea how long she spends in the hospital. So, of course, DW is amped to the extreme that they have a new baby sister uh, Arthur with another great look at the camera as he says, oh, brother. Uh, DW corrects him and says, oh, sister. And <laughs> Arthur has a real great deflated, yahoo. So, of course, we get a shot of Kate in in the kind of the newborn unit, and uh, she's, she's, she's just adorable. Like, I couldn't quite tell if they had marked her foot. Come on, Reed family. you got to make sure that baby doesn't get stole. That's baby birth 101. You bring a Sharpie with you, the second you pop that sucker out, mark its foot. I've never heard of this practice before. Oh, yeah. Babies I mean, I'm, getting... I'm, you know, I've, I, I'm, I know that babies get stolen, but, you know. All the time, Will. All the time babies are getting stolen nonstop. you got to protect your baby. Whatever you say, man. I, did, I didn't, <laughs> was not aware that was a precaution we took. Anyway, kind of the same, kind of the same as Pal. Um, I just think that Kate is the cutest, and like every time she's on screen, I'm just like, oh, jeez! Like I made that noise a bunch of times, and uh, just kind of getting a 
cuteness overload. Uh, so eventually they take her home and kind of get used to having her around the house. And um, there's a scene, there's a scene where mom's on the couch with Kate and DW and Arthur right beside her. And uh, their dad's kind of taken a, a video of them, obviously baby, uh, baby footage. I must say that even though like Arthur is a bit more nervous about holding Kate, he and DW both do a great job of holding her for the first time because I kind of had to be taught by my sister uh, to hold my niece the correct way, which is, you know, you support the baby's head, and then they're really small, so they can basically fit in the crook of your arm. So you support their body with your arm and the head with one hand. And they do that immediately without even being prompted. So, like, props on good baby holding. And though I may understand the technique, I'm a naturally clumsy person, so I'm still not mentally comfortable with holding a baby. Well, that's the other thing is is that uh, you know Arthur holds the baby, and then it kind of becomes a running theme is that the ba- is that Kate immediately starts crying, and Arthur just goes "Mom, Mom," and then like like b- screams to have it taken away from him because I think that it's. I don't think this is necessarily Arthur's representative of this, but it's definitely evocative of what I think is maybe stereotypically the male unease around babies. Of course, this is not a hard and fast rule, but a lot of guys that I know are very uneasy around the prospect of holding babies or being around babies. Like, they're not comfortable with them. And, like, I was, too, until I got the chance to kind of be around my niece a lot more. And, like, like anything, you kind of get the comfort level as you go along. But it is very nerve-wracking because, like you, I was like, oh, you know, I don't want to... You know, I don't want to, like, drop her. I don't want to hold her wrong. I don't want to, you know, what if she cries while I hold her? What if she poops? All this kind of stuff. What if she poops? <laughs> well, it's not a what-if scenario. It's going to happen. I Listen, if I'm holding the baby, poop on me is the least of my worries. As long as the baby makes it out scot-free, well, I'll take all the poop. Well, the poop doesn't normally get on you, thankfully, as long as the diaper's done upright. You just kind of hear it and then you smell it. You weren't exaggerating when you say Arthur screams. Like, yeah. this is a uh, – it's more than a yell. Like, Arthur is – terrified that he's holding this crying baby like he's the delivery from his voice actor is great he's really freaking out he he panics he really panics and i don't blame him like i would certainly felt like that at some point and then dw holds her immediately and she calms down she says she doesn't cry when i hold her and then another great just arthur just just completely gassed looking at the camera just like like what's what's the matter with me? Yeah, we get a of lot thing. of we got a lot of gym faces yeah. from Arthur in this episode. <laughs> Arthur Arthur uh, emulating another fourth wall breaking character from Ferris Bueller to Jim Halpert. Arthur, one of the many uh, great fourth wall breaking characters in fiction. Poor Arthur. The the theme for the rest of the rest of this episode is that every time he gets even close to Kate, even when he kind of looks her the wrong way. Like, she just immediately starts crying, and he thinks he just immediately chalks up to the fact that the baby hates him, which he says as much to his friends, because no, he, she doesn't cry when anybody else holds her, just him. So, I, and I imagine that that's kind of, um, it's, I, I almost have my own weird hang-up about it, because, like, you know, whenever there's a, a baby or a kid around, you know, you always go, like, you know, put on a nice smile, and you say hello. And every time I do that, or, like, try and make faces at a baby, they always give me, like, the... 
they just like stare at me and are just like, "What? What are you doing? Are you yeah, try- I was just like, are you, are, you, are, you, are you are you trying to are you trying to be funny right now?" Will just gave me his neutral face as if he yeah. was a create a character in a video game, yeah. and they wanted to show what his face looked like with no expression, and then he he sort of bulged his eyes out at me. They just regard me with complete apathy, and it just makes me feel like a loser because it's like. <laughs> It's like I'm just trying to just trying to make you happy, baby. A loser, huh? Yeah, really. I mean, uh, it's like it makes me feel unfunny because it's like, man, if I can't make a baby laugh with my dumb, huge face, then like, what hope do I have to make anybody laugh? This is really interesting because I think this whole thing is is going to boil down with how we both react to this episode. Because at this point is where I'm sort of losing my empathy for Arthur and his reaction to the situation. And I think this might be because I'm having a difficulty putting myself in Arthur's situation because I don't think I have the same anxieties when it comes to babies. And it actually gets into what we said earlier about babies crying. And so Arthur thinks uh, that the baby cries all the time when he acknowledges it because the baby hates him or his face or whatever. Uh, And agree with Francine, which she says later, she says, Arthur, she's a baby. Babies cry. And I think I just assume personally that babies are crying. If I was to hold a baby and it immediately starts crying, mm. so swat off my back. Oh, the baby's freaking out. Whatever. Pass mm. the baby back. It's all said and done. But Arthur sort of has a ton of anxiety about this whole thing. Well, And, and he, I, I, mm. I kind of get it. I can, I can kind of see why he reacts in this way. But I also think this is one of the reasons why I sort of – understand DW's perspective in the next episode more than I do Arthur's. Well, I definitely understand Arthur's because, I mean, first off, he is a very anxious character. He's a lot of anxieties and hang-ups about stuff. And especially when you're a kid, it's kind of hard to understand that even though babies are, like, literally don't know anything, their (laughs) brains are completely new, like, it's hard to not take something like that personally. And, of course, it is – a lot of it is just kind of like bad luck is that the baby just happens to be in a bad mood or just, just not used to Arthur at this point. I mean he does have and, glasses too. Babies, yeah. babies freak out when you got glasses. Sure. And so I completely understand him taking it personally because if I was his age and that was happening to me, I would I, I would be like, oh, the baby doesn't like me. And so I, I understand where he's coming from. But I, I, I can appreciate that, of course – you know, us being a lot older, you we don't take it personally anymore. Mm-hmm. But I do kind of feel bad for him. Of course, he's just trying to get close to close to Kate, but it's nothing's really working. His mind is kind of working against him. So, but, but eventually, uh, his mother asks him to look after her uh, while she kind of goes and does something in another room. Arthur goes to kind of give give her a real kind gesture and it looks like it might be working to kind of, she drops her pacifier and he goes to give it back to her. Then DW storms into the room again in her doctor outfit. See uh, right for DW's doctor alt outfit says, is that on the floor? It has to be sterilized. And then she takes a handkerchief. So she opens up her doctor's bag yes. with all her baby tools or whatever, her, her baby or all this stuff. Yes. And she takes this, like, it's like a handkerchief or a cloth or something like that that was also on the ground and sterilizes the soother that was and, on the ground just, with something she, else on the ground. Of, she just kind of breathes on it and then kind of, like, wipes it down and then it's fine. If anything, uh, to, to, DW, to her liking. If anything, DW doubled the germs. Yeah, really. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's that, and especially we get into this in the second part of the episode, is that DW... 
uh, is very protective of what she considers to be her baby because she a big line that she keeps using is everyone stand back or I know exactly what to do. Uh, and she kind of takes charge of the whole thing. Uh, Buster and Francine come over to, like, to invite Arthur to play, but of course they come to see Kate as well after DW invites them in. And so Kate just can't get comfortable. Like she, she's crying. She loses her pacifier. Well, she spits out the she pacifier does, does. probably because it was covered with a dirt from the floor. Or, or something. Or she's just inconsolable <laughs> at this point. DW asks Arthur to hold her while she gets a clean diaper. And so, I mean, props to DW going in there to change a diaper. Like I've uh, – no, I haven't changed a diaper yet, but that's going to change soon, I'm sure. I know how it's done, but uh, – it, uh, not exactly something to look forward to. So D.W. would be very gung-ho. So Arthur kind of takes Kate, and in a very mature moment, I thought he's like, I wonder what she's trying to tell us. He kind of stops taking it personally and realizes that something is, amid, is is wrong, I guess, with Kate. And he kind of pats her back some and and eventually stumbles into the answer. She just needs to be burped. And then uh, Kate gives gives a little sigh, and then she just buries her head into his shoulder, and my heart melts. <laughs> so cute. And then and then she comes back, and then uh, or Arthur's mom comes back, and you know is everything okay? It is now. And then and then <laughs> Buster goes gross. She's spitting on him, but of course she's uh, she's kissing him. And then the episode ends on a very cute note, and oh, and it made me miss my niece and all that sort of stuff. Aww. I'm a big old softy. I'm a friggin' idiot. Now, a uh, quick note on, uh, and now a word from us kids. And now a word from us kids! Not a whole lot to note with this one, just that the the kids in the school they were talking to were just talking about their baby siblings and just, you know, had some pictures of them, how to take care of them, you know, sometimes they change their diapers, and, you know, that that kind of stuff. It, like, there really wasn't much to say, but, you know, it was fine. Yeah, uh, I will say because I missed out last a word from us kids. Mm-hmm. I got a little snapshot of the crazy synth that was being used in the background of this episode. Yeah, sort of a, a it almost almost this is kind of a stretch, but it almost sounded like like a John Carpenter MIDI <laughs> if you were trying to make a lullaby with, like, John Carpenter noises. I'll have to go back and listen to it because I don't remember the tune off the top of my head. Baby's first escape from New York. Right. <laughs> a, a, a little bit. Not too close. Yeah, okay. but But it was a little strange. Think, I could think of it that way. Also, of course, there was an ad in the middle of this uh, Arthur YouTube video, and wouldn't you oh, know... I it, didn't see this ad. The chances are it would have been completely different. And it was for another children's television show, uh, The Teletubbies, which were somewhat contemporaries of Arthur on PBS. Uh, they have new talking Teletubbies toys. Which did you? Were you? Did you watch those? When you oh were yeah, little? oh yeah, big a, Teletubbies big fan over big here. Big let me big. let me tell you, we could have a whole separate podcast. I got a lot to say about the Teletubbies and their whole ecosystem and culture. Will, if you ever do a deep dive on the lore of Teletubbies, it's insane. It's crazy. Well, there you go. Another reason for us to get Patreon bonus episode, the Teletubbies. But because. I was a huge Teletubby fan too, and it was not cool for me to be a Teletubby fan. I was. Oh, you were a little old for the Teletubbies. Oh yeah, I was big time. It, it was well, not to dive into a later Arthur episode, but it was exactly the situation of Arthur and the Love Ducks. Oh, the show oh, that yeah. he, the show that he is clearly too old to watch, but likes it anyway. And I think, and I really think that 
that particular episode, because just to just to give you an idea of what that episode was about really quick, it was that Arthur stumbles upon the show called The Love Ducks, which is for little kids. And all it is is these multicolored ducks that will like quack uh, classical music. And it ends up being entrancing to him. And it's in that it's so weird that he likes it. But then, of course, he becomes a pariah because everybody thinks that show is for babies. Another and- example of Arthur predicting the future. They came up with bronies. <laughs> I don't think. Well, <laughs> save it for the episode. Um, say it, We'll save it for the episode. Um, yeah. And th- but that was exactly the situation I was in because I had Teletubby videotapes. I had every single talking Teletubbies doll. And my mother actually dug them up last year. And like I came home, I came to stay at my childhood house and she just left them on the pillow. It was just like, remember these? And I was like, yeah, I do. And I'm not like embarrassed about it or anything. I just really, I have, I, you know, I have a soft spot in my heart as you, as you heard talking in the last episode, I'm a big old softy. So these kind of stuffed animal looking things and they had these cute voices and they kind of acted babyish like that was around the time like I grew up when people you know when kids would be like you know make those drawings of them like murdering Barney and Teletubbies and then like that sort of stuff but I was like I really took the more innocent route (laughs) and I just really liked them because they were cute and cuddly lots of pictures of tech deck dudes like slicing up Tinky Winky yeah which one was your favorite by the way we have to move on from this we could talk about Teletubbies all night but are you a Poe man yeah I was gonna guess (laughs) What? what what tipped you off? People really like Poe. I remember, like, as a kid, po that was so- the most popular one. As I got older, what's the green one's name? Dipsy. Oh, Dipsy's totes the best one, Dipsy though. is hilarious. Dude, like, hindsight's twenty twenty. <laughs> we were sleeping on Dipsy back <laughs> in the day. Dipsy's like, he's got that sick hat. I love Dipsy. Dipsy's a pimp. Um, I'll tell you what, though. One last thing about the Teletubbies. We got to move on. Yeah, uh, sure. I think it's messed up that they make all that mess, and then like Nunu's the only one who cleans it up. Like Nunu's the real MVP of the Teletubbies. They do nothing. All they do is mess up their house and dance around. And poor Nunu is the one that keeps that whole compound afloat. So, shout out to Nunu. Well, someday I hope that we get enough support that we can launch a Patreon because we would absolutely have maybe a couple of episodes worth of Teletubby fodder. So, thank. I'm glad that I found a kindred spirit in you. Uh, yes, absolutely. Oh, man, that had Dipsy killing the game. Dipsy killing the game. And and and, po- and Poe's scooter and her little Chinese sayings. It was so so cute. And speaking of cute, we get to the second part of the episode. It is D.W.'s baby. Now, this starts off again with Arthur kind of Ferris Buellering, but I have to give the man respect. He's watching his uh, first birthday, like we started in the first in the first half with Kate's first birthday. So then Arthur is watching his first birthday, and Arthur is MST3King his own birthday because they're trying to teach him how to blow out the candle, and Arthur's kind of baby Arthur is not getting it. And Arthur's kind of laughing at himself and razzing himself to be like, come on, Arthur. Like, just really <laughs> cheering himself on. And I, I, I appreciate that he was able to kind of laugh at himself. Mitchell. Mitch. Um, this is when we start to figure out that this episode very much literally 
is DW's perspective on the whole baby thing. And kind of a Ra- Rashomon take on the same story. Yeah, it's very – it's interesting that – and I think this series plays with this kind of concept later on again. But it's really interesting the way that they decide to tell this story from these two different perspectives. Like you said, it's very Rashomon. It's almost Pulp Fiction-esque. Mm. The PS1 game, Incredible Crisis. They're, they all have this kind of storytelling technique Deep in cut. common. Interesting that a children's show – decided to use this storytelling technique. Sure. Uh, and it's also very useful because we get to see how not only people of different genders and ages perceive this very – like everybody basically is going to experience this in their life, whether it's a relative or actually their sister or brother. A new baby is something that a lot of kids have to deal with. Mm. So I thought it was smart for the writers to show all perspectives – of how this could impact someone. Yeah, and with and with kind of different, very n- nuanced take because you wouldn't think that you know a four year old would see it different from an eight year old, but it's true. Like they they absolutely see it different ways. This we'll get into. Uh, Arthur also looking at DW's first birthday uh, when she is also not only a very like very prone to crying, but also just very talkative. I I laughed because. Uh, DW kind of the first thing that you can tell that she says is that Arthur's trying to teach her how to blow up the candle and all she says is give me lovey presents <laughs> so I thought that was really cute DW very after my own heart <laughs> and we start kind of we don't need the backstory we got all that in Arthur's so we really start with uh, mom and dad coming home with Kate before that, I'll just say this real quick. Yeah. Uh, DW is filming Arthur. Yes. Well, Arthur's looking at all this, yeah. and yeah. Uh, she's filming him upside down. She says, I'm trying to <laughs> – she's using a Dutch angle, essentially. Yeah. And she goes, I'm just trying to make Arthur look more interesting, but it's hopeless. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, and of course, uh, they are videotaping uh, Kate's first birthday, or DW is the camera person for that one. It's the same, and you kind of mentioned it's two ways of telling the same story, and I like that so in the last episode we talked about how there was a weird inconsistency if you remember from Arthur's birthday where it's like, we see the beginning of the episode, and then we see that beginning again, but it has these weird changes in it that are kind of unaccounted for. This one has a built-in excuse because it's a different character's memory of that of that time. So it's going to be different. It's going to be focusing on different things. Things are going to look a little different. Things are going to sound a little different. And, like, you already have the built-in excuse of, well, that's how DW saw it. So there's a bit of different animation when they arrive at the house. There's uh, different lines, kind of. Or additional lines because, you know, DW is kind of really, really wants to hold Kate. And so they both kind of see it differently, but it, it, there's definitely an, an explanation for why it is different. And I appreciate that. The first thing they do is obviously is they put Kate down for a nap because she's sleeping. DW is kind of confused because she was waiting for the baby to kind of come in so she could hold it and play with it. But, of course, Kate's probably really tuckered out. And so kind of look, she kind of looks at Kate for a little bit and then is carried away by her dad. And then she says, is that it? <laughs> and so I and so that's kind of the theme, a bit of the theme of DW's interpretation of Kate is that she's not afraid of her and she's not nervous about her. But she's kind of wondering what the big deal is, which for a younger kid is absolutely plausible. Yeah. Whereas uh, Arthur was wrestling with anxiety, DW is sort of coming to terms with disappointment and Kate not meeting her expectations. Yeah, absolutely. It's very much a uh, uh, Disney's Animal Kingdom syndrome 
the animals are all asleep. And yeah, exactly. And uh, really trying to find her own role as like, because now she's not the youngest in the family. She's the middle child and now has to figure out where she fits with Kate. At some point, they're watching a show on TV. And I'm so curious because it's Arthur's dad, Arthur and DW. And DW has the uh, the baby monitor and she is uh, just noting when Kate is inhaling and exhaling waiting for something to happen and they're watching some kind of like there's like circus music coming out of the tv and there's like bouncing sound effects and arthur's dad is loving it <laughs> that's true he's the only one who's really engaged with well the TV and, show. and because arthur's annoyed because dw keeps it's like saying inhale exhale basically there they you do hear like words do you if you listen really carefully no, well oh, no. i i don't think so okay it was just it was just kind of like music and sound effects and i was like it sounds like they're watching a kid's show or something and but arthur's dad loving what he's seeing might as well be watching eddie murphy's raw <laughs> that's uh, true he is really yucking it up yeah arthur's mom and dad for being fresh from the hospital and having a new baby in the household they are remarkably calm and well rested there's not a sign of wear and tear on them. They are just two or two rocks in a storm, these two. Arthur, Arthur and D.W., they have a very, very good household. Like, you could tell that Arthur's mom and dad are sort of written as the, the prototypical mom and dad, the measuring stick that all other parents should be measured against. And I think that's definitely in the early episodes, too. Like, there's not a lot of admittance to any kind of shortcomings with them. They are very much... Because the show is about the kids, and the parents have a role. And the role is to kind of be invisible most of the time, to kind of give way to the kids' storylines. But it kind of comes across as like, man, these two are just, like, perfect. Arthur's dad is giving Kate a bath in the sink, and DW is kind of watching and wants to give her a bath, but does have to wait until... Uh, she's a bit older to do that. We get the return of Nadine, and DW is putting herself in the role of baby expert. So she has the doctor's outfit, she has the scrubs, she has like her doctor bag, and is ready to take on that role of baby expert, which I don't know who accredited her. But she says that when Arthur's mom asks her to take care of DW, she says, why did she ask him? Arthur doesn't know beans about babies. The way she talks about all this, it's like she's channeling Vince Vaughn from Swingers. Call, <laughs> like, I'm an expert baby. Baby, you're so money. Um, this is the baby behind the baby <laughs> behind the baby. <laughs> this right here, this scene is an argument for Nadine not being real. Because Arthur looks directly at her at some point. Yes. And it's just apparently he's just looking at DW as they both go – like, they have this little line that they have. It's like, adults, just give them time. They're slow learners. Which and appara- is a great line. And apparently it's just DW saying this and, like, hearing the response back in her own head. And Arthur's just looking over just like, what in the – Another gym face. You've got to be kidding me. So then we get into the scene that was the end of Arthur's episode but is the middle of DW's where she is trying – where Arthur is trying to give her back the pacifier and DW kind of – uh, storms in, and there's a bit of additional DW dialogue, which basically amounts to her saying, you know, everyone stand back, I know what she wants. And I gotta say, there is a fantastic screen cap where DW kind of picks Kate up, which she did in the previous episode, but in this one, we get to see a little bit of her reaction not from Arthur's eyes, where she kind of picks her up and then just goes... <laughs> Into the camera, like her, like her eyes go wide and her mouth drops open. She is 
terrified. It's very it's a, like scream face, like the Van Gogh. Like. <laughs> yes, very much so. Kind of the same animation as the first episode, first part of the episode where it's Arthur burps Kate and DW's out of the room. Though this time she doesn't clean, she doesn't try and clean this pacifier with the handkerchief. She, she cleans it with Arthur's, Arthur's shirt. shirt, which I will say again, not any more sanitary. No, but no. I digress. The end of Arthur's baby was kind of a, you know, kind of, you know, sentimental and very sweet. Uh, this one, it's not the end of the episode, and DW is angry that Arthur was the one to comfort Kate. And from here on, Arthur and Kate very much are comfortable with each other because there's scenes of Arthur feeding Kate, and DW is upset, like one burp, and he takes the credit. And to which Nadine is just like, burps are mysterious things. I forgot to mention this earlier, but during Mm. this uh, scenario where Kate can't be calmed down and everybody's trying everything to calm her down, there's a part where Buster goes googity woogity oogity. And because this episode is the same story told twice, they left that in. We get to see Buster say googity woogity oogity a glorious second time. His his ineffectual way to calm Kate down. (laughs) The big development of the episode is that for some stupid reason. Arthur's mom and dad get the idea that they're going to put Kate's crib in DW's room, which doesn't make a lick of sense to me because as this episode goes on, it's a big contention of DW is that Kate's now in DW's room and she's a new baby. She cries a lot. And that's what new babies do because like they don't want to be put down or well I you know what I don't know but some babies do not take to being put down in a crib especially away from their parents very well so it can take a lot of training and so I'm saying to myself why in the world are we doing this DW needs to sleep she's four years old she needs to rest why don't you take the crib and put it in the adults room where you're going to be you're going to lose sleep because you're taking care of the baby so again, like there's a this prerequisite here where I I actually don't know. There might be a, a, some reasoning behind this. I'm not entirely sure. I do know that I was recently reading a study where I think the school of thought about where a baby should sleep has changed recently. Mm. Where I read a uh, article that was saying that it's actually healthy for babies to sleep in the same room as our as their parents. And I know that sounds like a no brainer, but that leads me to believe that the school thought might have not been that way prior. Fair uh, enough. Again, this is something where I don't know about you, but I am no expert. Fair enough, but it just kind of seems like common sense to me of just put the put the baby in the room of the people that are going to be taking care of it when it wakes up. And, and like you don't have to basically DW the shots of her trying to go to sleep are akin to torture. She's being kept up like all hours of the night basically. And of course, since Kate's room is now DW's room, it's a shared room. That's where mom changes Kate's diapers and of course DW very much minds the smell tries to crack a window but uh, can't because the baby was in a draft and DW I noticed when she plugs her nose because the aardvarks their nose is kind of the two diagonal lines on their face so when she holds her nose does like you and I when we would plug our nose we would just do it with two fingers basically she has to hold her entire face with like the palm of her hand and like really has to like pulling skin. It's to really hold her like nose. it's really like World War One. Like hold the rag up yeah. to your face. <laughs> She's getting a real pinch there on her nose. Also, Arthur meme alert here. One of there's a great overhead shot of DW as she is again being tortured and can't go to sleep with her eyes bloodshot as she and 
I've definitely seen that before of like waiting for the new Frank Ocean. <laughs> Back- in fact, I believe I sent that one to you or I tagged you in that one of just like That is a very me joke. Wait, waiting for the new Frank like and uh, of course that was before his latest album. Another example of show don't tell though. This is sort of like we're getting a look into uh DW's mental state is starting to degrade a little the, bit. The frayed ends of sanity. She turns to <laughs> Her viziers in this regard, the Tibble Twins, which, bad choice. <laughs> the Tibble Twins, like, we cut to her, like, in the sandbox of the Tibble Twins, and they just start off by saying, why don't you get rid of her? And I was like, excuse me? The Tibble Twins, man, they're fixers. Yeah. <laughs> you, they're, you need to disappear a baby. We got you covered. The, the Winston Wolf, they solve problems. Of course, what they mean is, why don't they have the parents get rid of her, not just DW, you know take matters into her own hands well dw uh, she immediately shuts that that down though because she goes i can't get rid of her mommy and daddy like her as right. if to say if mommy and daddy did not like her that baby be gone which of course is noted and we will and we'll get into it near the end of the episode is that dw feels she's kind of being replaced and of course that is absolutely natural for a kid to feel that when there's a new baby in the house a lot of the attention goes away from the other kids, which it kind of has to because the baby has to be cared for. So the Tibble twins, their idea is that what if if Kate, the baby, did bad things? She wouldn't have to actually do them. She'd just have to get blamed for them, which turns the key in DW's head, and that's her big plan. And then a couple of great cutaways here. The first one is that they're walking by a demolition site for some reason is where you'd think to walk your baby near, but whatever. And then the building demolishes, and then DW immediately says, she did it, indicating Kate, to which her mother says, a demolition team did it, DW. (laughs) And DW has a great, like, yeah, that's what I meant, and then looks back and gives, like, a darn, like, face, great snap. This uh, this animation of this building crumbling is like burned into my brain because they reuse. Oh, it they, quite use, a bit, they use like, that a few later times. on in Arthur episodes. It's Absolutely. another like my leg kind of thing <laughs> where you're going to see that building crumble all the time. Absolutely, and then so the next thing is that DW's d- dad finds his his shoes in the dishwasher, and it's his new shoes. His new shoes in the dishwasher. God, I'd be mad. Sure, and. <laughs> This is the best of just DW just just immediately goes, Kate did it. I saw her. <laughs> and then of course and of course it's the most little kid plan ever because DW's dad immediately turns on her as just like, Go to your room, I'll be up to discuss this hey, with go you. Go to your room, think about what you did. Yeah, just like Dad has no time for DW's BS. After when uh DW is sort of going on how the plan didn't work with Nadine she goes, man, he's really going to be mad when he figures out there's an old slice of bologna in the CD player, <laughs> which the old bologna in the CD player trick. Oh, man, I would be I would be uh, <laughs> angry as well. So DW's next plan is that they're having a yard sale, and then she tries to sell Kate. She gets a 50-cent sticker and places it on her uh, carrier and tries to sell Kate to Mrs. Tibble. Big continuity here. Mrs. Tibble, she loves yard sales. Of course, <laughs> Mrs. Tibble immediately reports this to DW's mom, and, and W just kind of makes off and just like, really, a bunch of half-baked plans here. DW not really understanding uh, what to do. And, of course— funniest part about that mm-hmm. is that she try to, tries to barter with Kate. She puts a 50-cent sticker yeah. on at first— and then when Mrs. Tibble doesn't bite, she goes, okay, 35 cents, but that's my final offer. <laughs> as low as 35 cents. 
So then the logical next step for DW is that she needs to go live on an island. She's just inside watching TV, a nature documentary uh, about an island where monkeys can live and have happy lives. And so DW decides that this family isn't is isn't meant for her anymore. She needs to go live on an island. So she packs up her little farm play set, you know, one of those folding out farm, and that's her suitcase. Now, for some reason, I didn't realize this when I was watching the show. I'm just thinking about it now, is that... She's kind of talking to Nadine as she packs up, and then Nadine says, "Bye, DW." Yeah, Nadine and I, can't like, come with I'm her. Like, Nadine, can't, so is she like bound to the house or something? Oh my goodness, a new theory. Maybe Nadine's an undead spirit. But, but that's not true because we've seen her Nadine. come to the amusement park. Yeah. yeah. So I don't. Maybe, maybe I don't, Nadine can't come to the island. It's, it's DW's dumb made-up rule, so I don't know. I do love this though because it's exactly the kind of way it's logical. From DW's perspective, DW watches this nature documentary about monkeys, and I think the idea for the audience is that it's about like a tropical island where the monkeys live. Yes. DW assumes, okay, monkeys on islands, all islands must have monkeys. Yes. So she's going to go to an island and live with the monkeys. Right. And it's so, only logical. And she goes to ask Arthur what the nearest island is, and it's Button Island. So, and again, this is like an American Midwest island. It's very similar to the McNabs Island yes. we have here in our home province. Yeah, it's just kind of like out in the middle, and hopefully, it's not filled with snakes like uh, McNabs Island is. And DW, ever the drama queen, like really makes says her goodbyes in like a really maudlin way, and it's it's really funny. It's this it, great. The voice work again is great. I'm gonna like I'm gonna try and imitate as best as I can, but like if I can't do it, I'm. You know, I'll probably just try and put in DW's uh, uh, own deliveries in here because, yes, uh, Michael Callow's great, great delivery by him. So after she asks Arthur where, like, where the nearest island is, she says, "Thanks." <laughs> Goodbye, Arthur. And Arthur kind of like gives a gives a an eyebrow raise to the camera, like, "What was all that about?" But doesn't really <laughs> think of it any further. And then opens the kitchen door to presumably no one because later on. DW's mom wonders where she was, so somehow thinks her mother is in the kitchen, or maybe just kind of says it to her from afar, not meaning to be heard, and just, and just says, "Mom, I'm leaving." <laughs> <laughs> it's it's great because, like, it's, honestly, it's certainly my favorite moment in the episode. Honestly, I can't tell whether it's like whether she's putting it on to try and like feel sorry for herself because I definitely did that when I was a kid, but or if she's really like sobbing. I think she's trying to like garner attention, right? Yeah. Like she's she's trying to play that thing where it's like, okay, I'm going now. Like yeah. she's looking, or she's fishing for people to be like, yeah. oh, DW, don't go. But of course, they have no idea what's going on, right. and so uh, she her plan sort of fails at that aspect. I, it, it could, and it definitely could be a little bit from little from column A, a little from column B, because she's pretty she's pretty set on this plan. She goes to Grandma Thora's house. I just want to say, on her way to Grandma Thora's house, and then after her and Grandma Thora sort of head to the island, yeah. the background paintings in this episode are fantastic. Uh-huh. There's a shot of her walking over a bridge to Grandma Thora's house. That background's really well drawn. And then all the stuff with the island later in the episode, all like really well done mm-hmm. art. Yeah, because uh, they go out to the island at like sunset, so it's a very nice looking sky. Uh, so she goes to Grandma Thora's place, and uh, she asks Gra- uh, Grandma Thora to take her to the island uh, t- to live with her on like like Monkey Island or something. To which Grandma Thora has a very grandma responsive. I see. Are there monkeys there? 
And so, and and then gives another very, uh, very uh, dramatic response of just, could you drive me there? <laughs> like, like some real, I really liked those. So Grandma Thora, like best grandma ever. She knows exactly what's going on here, but she decides to not stop her altogether. Like she kind of takes her through the process and like gets her halfway to the island. Like they rent a rowboat to get her there. And along the way, she's kind of doing things of like, won't your family miss you? And when that kind of doesn't work of like, no, they like Kate now. It's like they kind of, she kind of keeps going. Like she lets DW come to the conclusion on her own while kind of guiding her there a little bit. Yeah, it's a great teachable moment. It's Mm -hmm. an example of... You know, you can tell a kid something, but you tell kids things all the time. So they might not process the information the same as if yeah. they come to the conclusion themselves. Right, which which she does. And as they're halfway to the island by a rowboat, Grandma Thora says, I think Kate will miss you. And DW, right, correctly, says she's just a baby. Babies don't miss. <laughs> and then Grandma Thora's logic is when she grows up, she'll have a mommy, a daddy, a brother, and what's missing? And then DW, then the wheels start turning. She says, a me. A sister. And so she almost it, knocks over the boat. She's so excited about yeah, this revelation. Yeah. And so Grandma Thor immediately takes her back and then gets back home. And her mom says, DW, where were you? We were we were all worried. And I'm like, sure as heck hope so. She she was gone. She walked to her grandmother's house. Over a bridge. Yeah, I guess considering, like, DW's age, that is a little crazy. Yeah, really. Like, I can't believe they let her out of their side. And, of course, you know, new baby and everything. But DW rushes in past everybody and promises to be there for Kate and show her everything. But mommies and daddies change the diapers, which she realizes Kate needs a change. Haha, that's the end of the episode. So what did you think of Arthur and DW's baby? So it's interesting. Um, Both episodes were fairly entertaining. Mm. Uh, They both had... I, I loved the format. I loved seeing, and this is how they saw it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm I'm kind of a sucker for that trope and that style of storytelling. Uh, but I'll, I will say that, again, and this might be a, a consistent theme with this show, is that Arthur kind of got on my nerves in his episode. Like, okay. And I get that does actually make total sense as you're explaining it to me. It does really make sense for Arthur and his character and especially someone that age to have those anxieties. But I think I'm so far removed from that that I kind of found it a little bit grating the way he was handling the whole situation. Um, though I really liked the conclusion to that episode. I love that little ending sequence with the music. It's sort of the wacky music's playing. Everybody's trying to run around and fix the problem of Kate crying. And then it's very madcap. We have this great moment where it's Arthur, and we have that cute moment with Kate kissing Mm -hmm. his face. Yeah, I really liked the DW episode, Mm -hmm. and I think it's because I find DW's character so entertaining. She's kind of she's. She goes from zero to 100 real quick with this baby expert thing, right. uh, and that's really ridiculous and funny and makes sense for someone her age. And then I love her little plans about her trying to get rid of Kate, and then I love, again, the ending sequence of this episode. Two really strong endings, even though it's telling the same story, essentially. I love the ending sequence with her sort of going to the island and all that stuff and her learning her lesson. It's one of those examples where we've talked about before episodes will have sort of these Really, really quick turnarounds where the end kind of comes in the last minute and then someone completely does a 180 on mm. how they feel about something. But we really see the idea start to form in DW's head and her slowly understand. So I think this is one of, in terms of 
watching episodes as a pair instead of just watching like single 10 minute chunks. Uh, this is one of the better uh, Co- stories as a whole coherent exactly yeah, cohesive holes i agree um in in that sense because it's hard to have one of these without the other and really if i had watched them in kind of singles i don't know if it would have been as effective but i must say as a double act i really like i really like this episode i might even say that i love it um if if it ends up making the season one my personal season one top ten, it would definitely have to go in as a tie in like whatever slot it would be in because you kind of can't have one without the other. I understand your frustrations about Arthur's character, but I identify with Arthur quite a bit, and here absolutely I did, and I you know still kind of wrestle with those anxieties a little bit myself whenever I kind of take care of my niece. I mean, next week I'm going to be uh, taking care of her with my girlfriend away from my sister and brother-in-law. And that's kind of, you know, got me a little anxious, but you know, it's it was good to kind of see Arthur uh, improve because that's that's what happens is that when you take care of a baby it gets easier the more you do it and the more you do it usually the more you kind of, they kind of endear your, themselves to you like I didn't think that when you know before I became an uncle I, I didn't think that having a niece would have an effect on me but like you know I love that little girl to pieces like every time I'm with her you know er, like the world just kind of falls away like I've said I've said to my sister I've said to my girlfriend like d- my niece is my favorite TV channel because I could I could just watch her for hours just do the little things she does and Arthur kind of is on the way to getting there and as we see we've seen in previous episodes like he's very okay with taking care of her and he's very good with her and I kind of liked the progression there and I liked it with DW too I'm glad that you mentioned the uh, kind of quick wrap up that we've seen in previous episodes because here it felt a lot more natural. Like you said, it was DW kind of putting putting the things together herself. It wasn't just the plot needs to end now. It seemed a lot more natural. And I liked DW's side of the story as well. It was very different in small ways. And I felt that they both told a very good story. And, uh, no, I just really enjoyed it all. It was very funny. The animation was great. The the voices were great, especially DW's voice actor, Michael Callis, in the second part of it. And, yeah, no, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's an interesting experiment, right, because I think that as much as I like some of the snappier energy of some of the more out-there Arthur episodes – uh, this is, episode is an argument for sort of slower storytelling and giving characters more time to breathe. And it really gets me thinking about, like, what if Arthur, instead of doing these two 10-minute episodes, every episode was 22 minutes? Mm-hmm. Because I think this episode really gains a lot from giving us more time with a single story. Even though it's two different perspectives, there's a lot more time for character growth. Like, we get to see in DW story, like... Arthur has now become totally comfortable with the baby and it's sort of a Mm non-issue. And I think it's really interesting that, like, I I was able to process the story better because the characters had more time to breathe. And I think that's an argument for giving episodes more time as opposed to, for instance, when Francine – Francine Fredsky Superstar, that episode's ending kind of came out of nowhere. Like, the end of that episode, if we were to – put it into like an act structure. Yeah. The climax is like the last 20 seconds. Mm. Uh, or or my example would be Arthur bounces back where just kind of the climax happens and nothing really comes of any of the conflict. Whereas, for instance, in DW's baby, we have a good like f- almost three to four minutes mm. of 
DW's walk the island and sort of the self-reflection that comes along with that. Mm -hmm. So I think this is an argument for long-form storytelling in Arthur, of all things. Yeah, and we do do get those every now and again, but not all the time. So it's good to have it here as an example. Uh, Yeah, that is Arthur and DW's baby. Now, I feel silly because I actually didn't look up next week's episode, so I apologize for that. I'll have to keep you in a little bit of mystery, but you know where you can find out where the next epi- what the next episode is going to be? That would be on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits. That is one of the ways that you can keep up with us, uh, posting some memes on there, some screen caps as well, updates, all that kind of stuff. Facebook is a great way to stay in touch with us uh, in terms of the general upkeep of the show. Um, we also have a Twitter account that is at uh, ECL Podcast, where we're just kind of putting up uh, some funny ca- uh, screen caps here and there, uh, retweeting some Arthur wrestling signs that uh, found recently as the WWE pay-per-view Hell in a Cell went on just over the weekend. Uh, and trying to be a bit more active on there. Again, hopefully I'll be into Photoshop soon enough and can kind of contribute a bit more to the hashtag Arthur memes. That's the homework for this week. Get that picture. Of Arthur with the boot strapped to his face. What do you see when you look at it? What kind of memes will you come up with? Well, I'll tell you what. uh, uh, After we put up the podcast, I will also put up uh, the image. I have the screen cap. So I will put that on our Facebook page. As well, you uh, you can email us. If you would like to be a part of the show, we would love for you to be part of it. Elwood City Limits at gmail.com is the email address. Send us your thoughts on an episode we've covered, on a topic we've covered. If you have any uh, criticism, if you have any uh, compliments, we'd love to have them there. And finally, of course, you can download this episode, listen on SoundCloud, uh, Elwood City Limits on SoundCloud, and that is able available for download from there if iTunes isn't your thing. But if it is, we are available on the iTunes store with eight five-star reviews so, so far. If you'd like to write us a review, we would absolutely appreciate it and we will share this review and your email if you want on the podcast lucas any final thoughts got an ouchie (laughs) boo-boo you have a a surprisingly good baby voice let's keep that in mind for something (laughs) may perhaps perhaps our patreon teletubby special and no we don't have a patreon unless you would pay for elwood city limits in which case we will get a patreon asap ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com if you want to see the Patreon. Really, if you want to pay us, I am into that idea. But we'll keep bringing it to you free of charge. We'll have a new episode for you coming up. Uh, Maybe not next week, actually. I realize that next week here in Canada is Remembrance Day. And so Lucas and I will be having the Friday off. So I may not be able to edit the episode that we record in time. So you may not hear from us next week, but we will be back once again this month in No more than two weeks. I promise. No more than two weeks. Keep it here. Subscribe to us on iTunes or on SoundCloud, and we will keep you updated. For Lucas Mancini, this is Will Young. Thanks for listening to Elwood City Limits.